Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. Do you solemnly swear? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Then I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of those officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I'm Dave, and I'm sitting here with Jamie. He's a Marine vet. He served from 2003 to 2011. He did some time in 2nd Mardiv. He's done three tours to Iraq, one tour to Afghan, one tour, one tour with the Mew. His call sign, and hopefully we get into this pretty good later, his call sign was Hazmat. He is now a miner, and he lives in Iowa. How you doing there, Jamie? Good, how are you? Not bad. Or should I call you Hazmat? That works. <laughs> so thanks for joining the episode. And uh, so talk to me about like who you were as a person prior, like, you know, from birth to joining the Marine Corps. Also, my mom for first couple of years of my life was you know, nonstop buffed ass. She'd three or four jobs at a time. Uh, my father, I have a relationship with him now, but I didn't start hanging out with him until I was like 17. Um, and my grandparents raised me for the most part, which I think had a big hand in who I wound up coming. Uh, so until I was six, uh, then we moved to Wisconsin and, uh, I would spend the whole summer all the way until I was 18. I'd spend the whole summer with my grandparents. And I think having my grandparents have a big part in my life, uh, I got really close with all my great aunts and uncles and, you know, I call them the greats, the, <laughs> the greatest generation, you know? So I have a great uncle that got blown out of four Sherman tanks, stormed the beaches of Normandy, survived. And then, and then, uh, I have a, a great uncle that was one of the very first paratroopers. My grandpa retired originally it, when he went in, it was, uh, the army air corps and then retired out of the air force with a seventh grade education. And then he wound up, and Intel, you know, okay. and then just that kind of formed my whole thing. And then, uh, my uncle came back from desert storm and he's a Marine Corps scout sniper and the way he carried himself really that's from the time I was six years old, I wanted to be a Marine. And then, uh, kind of having that little hard knocks coming up, you know, I had a, a dickhead step, dad beat my ass tell me i'm flipping burgers you know whatever yeah uh i kind of knew like if i'm gonna fuck off like now's the time to fuck off yeah so uh you know i smoked a lot of pot but for the most part i stayed out of trouble and just got my 
diploma and left home that I, well, my recruiter, I told him, I was like, look, dude, you're going to have to tell my mom. Like, <laughs> she's not going to sign it. And <laughs> he got her to sign it in like 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah, he was just like, look, you know, he wants to do this. He's doing just enough to get his diploma. What if we find something wrong with him and he can't join? Then he can't get his grades up. She signed it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's kind of funny that you you just said all that because that's as you're as you're talking, I'm reflecting a lot because I'm I kind of went through the same thing. My mom, you know, my mom divorced my my real dad when she was still pregnant with me down, and you know, he lives in Virginia. And when she came up here to Massachusetts, I was born, right? So, you know, it was just me, my older brother, and my mom for a while until like I was seven years old, and she remarried to my stepfather, and me and him didn't get along. The same thing, you know, he. He was a bit of an alcoholic. He would be mad about something that happened to him at work or whatever. Three o'clock in the morning, he'd take it out of me and my brothers. You know, he'd wake us up at three o'clock in the morning and just be that all uh, alpha male, I guess you said, you know. And uh, so my grandfather, I gravitated towards him a lot. He's army vet and he did, uh, you know, he went to Vietnam and then he did um, Korea, uh, Korea during peacetime. But he was a very respectful guy. So I was the same thing, man. I was always at his house in the summertime and everything else. Um, 10th grade of high school, I moved out of my parents' house and got emancipated and had my own apartment and everything else and been on my own ever since. So it's kind of like we had the same track. Like I've definitely smoked a lot of pot, you know, I, that paid for my, my apartment in high school. Yeah, I wasn't working. You know what I mean? I'm 15. I'm not getting a fucking job. Um, right. <laughs> So that's, I mean, my mom was actually, uh, fortunately she was deceased when I went in, but, um, that's the line of military personnel that you follow. I'm just, I'm glad that you kind of went in the same boat there and your mom didn't hesitate and just sign the fucking papers. Like, yeah, he needs to straighten his ass out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the Marine Corps. So how come now you got everybody that's in all branches? I mean, it sounded like it had all, a lot of different branches. Um, so why the Marine Corps, not like the Air Force or Chair Force or, you know, the Navy or anything like that? Just the way that my uncle Sonny carried himself was just, and he's, he's one of the old school veterans where he doesn't like to, he doesn't like to talk about something, but there was a rapport there and, and just, it demanded respect. And right. I was like, that's, that's it. That's, I want that. <laughs> yeah. I want to be him. Yeah. So. And, and I want to. <laughs> 2003 so you go to boot camp what uh what did you think of boot camp now now you, it sounds like you're uh, just running around and all of a sudden now you have a lot of structure in your life yeah yeah well i mean i started working when i was 12 right. so because i wanted a car so like the work ethic was there and i, I was a wrestler too okay. so like the physical aspect of it was nothing but, you know, I was basically stoned for like seven years of my life. Yeah. So, like, that was trying to figure out how to go through. And I, I have ADHD, like, pretty good. Yep. And so trying to figure out how to function was a hassle. And I'll get into it a little bit later. But when yep. I went into boot camp, my last name wasn't Cook. It was Hogan. Okay. So... 
and that was a sore subject for me too. So yeah, you know, now I'm getting picked on for hogging. You like to <laughs> fuck fat bitches, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was kind of a goober, you know. I I had a hard time speaking correctly, and I think that was kind of part of that degradation as a kid, right? You know. So the talking in third person was beyond my capability <laughs> so i got you know get the fuck out of my face oh yeah <laughs> no i kind of so i had a tattoo i got before i had it on my forearm uh it was the playboy bunny so that landed me the hugh hefner name <laughs> when i was in boot camp <laughs> they're like where's Hugh hefner <laughs> so yeah um so boot camp so you go through boot camp what now what's your mos what was your MOS? I'm at 1833, so I'm a ham tracker. Okay. Why that? Uh, well, so I told my recruiter that I didn't want to sign an open contract. Right. And he's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to be infantry. Well, it was the height of the war, and a lot of people don't know this, but there is a congressional limit to how many people can be in what jobs. Right. So it would have made me stay home three to six months longer and i was like all right well i'll be a tanker and he's like all right you know so i'm thinking they probably whoop it you know yeah so i get through boot camp and my kill hat's like hogan you know yes sir and he's like amphibious assault it's like uh i'm i'm this this recruit uh uh yeah oh yeah supposed to be a tanker he said you're too goddamn tall and you swim too well <laughs> well shit so had I, I known that <laughs> I, had, I had visions of like popping up out of the water you know with some like <laughs> seal shit yeah nah it's a 27 ton aluminum tank that floats on the water <laughs> you just put around there or what do you do there um so on top of that it was made to uh climb the coral when we were island hopping is is where Amtrak's got their birth and it kind of turned into more of a troop carrier on land and sea yep. so when I went over to the sandbox it can it can climb 72 degree angles huh. it can smash through walls it's semi bulletproof you yeah. can carry 26 fully equipped combat troops with a crew of three nice uh, you got a 50 cal and a 40 mic mic on top. You got smoke grenades, and then you got all your rifles on top of it. Nice. So, yeah, you can really fuck some shit up then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now you go through boot camp. You made it through there. You're, you know, you get done with the crucible. You get that warrior's breakfast. And now you go to MCT. Now, where, where, where was your MOS school for that? It was also in, in California. So it was in Pendleton. Oh, okay. How long was that for? Uh, it's three months. Oh, that's not bad. No, that's not terrible. Mine was like 30 days. There's through MCT because of the holidays, too. Like, by the time I got out, it was like, oh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and they want to use you to go back and talk to your friends that are junior. Yep. Like, oh, look at this guy, and get them to enlist, you know? So they were trying to push us through for the holidays. Okay. So, all right. So now, where? So, where's your first duty station? Uh, I went to Camp Lejeune. 
Okay. Your second Mardiv then? Yep. Nice. What did you think of Lejeune? Uh, when I was there, so I was out near the back gate, and our part of the base, it's us and Recon. Yep. And uh, engineer, there's an engineer school there. Okay. Other than that, we are out in it's Courthouse Bay. Yep. Right next to the back gate, but you're 30 minutes away from anybody else yep. on the base. So I kind of loved it, you know. <laughs> Except for getting on base in the morning, right? Oh, well, I mean, living in the barracks, though, you know. I, oh, yeah. I, yep. I no, I lived, out, I lived off base, so I had to deal with that whole fucking bullshit every morning getting on base. You know, leave like two hours early just to get on base, but... I remember, I remember I was down there and we had that like a little bit of fucking snow. It was like maybe like a quarter of an inch on the ground or whatever. And I remember, you know, I, I had a uh, Chevy Colorado at the time and the radio station's like, oh, don't go anywhere unless you have to. This, that, and the other thing. There's a lot of snow. Everything's closed down. They closed the fucking base down. I was like, really? <laughs> I just yeah. remember driving around and doing donuts everywhere. I was like, fuck you guys, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I live in this shit. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, being from New England, well, we used to get a lot more snow than we did now. Like now it's not a lot of people have snowmobiles anymore because we just don't get as much snow because, you know, Al Gore and his global warming. That's the same shit here. <laughs> so now now you're at, at uh, Second Mardiv. Um, are you still happy that you joined? Are you wishing you went back? Are you loving or hating life? So at first I was, I was a pretty typical boot. Like I had a, I had a pretty hard entry, even going into my, my schools. So there's where I got my call sign was in the schools and it stuck. They had friends that were in the fleet and they knew about it. So my (laughs) call sign stuck from schools. Uh, When I arrived at schools battalion, they lost my baggage. So I had my civvies and that's it. So I got a borrowed pair of tricolor coveralls, <laughs> my tennis shoes, and an oil stained digi green cover. <laughs> and uh, I fucked up one day on a test and they're like, you're going to change all the oil in the road wheels. And we had like on the whole ramp. So there's like 30 vehicles or something like that. So I got a 40 cal can full of oil. I get down to my last one. I'm sitting cross-legged. I'm like, fuck. I kind of hit that road wheel a little bit. Well, it fell off. The, the hub fell off and hit the can and just dumped oil all <laughs> over me. And then so my instructors stripped me down, give me a towel, tell me to march two miles back up to the barracks and stay there till the end of the day. <laughs> so here I am, you know, a little PFC boot walking two miles and a towel and some shoes, nothing else. Every time a car come by, they hit the brakes and start screaming at me. I have to tell them a story and then they tell me to get out of their face, you know, and then I'm making another 10 feet and you know, someone else snatched me up. So that carried all the way over into the fleet. And the day of check-in, they asked who wanted to deploy. My hand shot up right away. You know, I, I knew what I wanted to do. Yep. Uh, and so I got put in Charlie Company. 
and they were the next ones in rotation to go. Well, so during workups for uh, going over, it was hot. You know, we were doing, we didn't have time for CACs to go to California. So we were doing our training in Lejeune. It was hot. So I thought I'd do everything I could not to overheat. I got no skivvy shirt on under my blouse, <laughs> no boxers. You know, and then one day my leg starts itching real bad. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Well, there's this little dot. I don't think nothing of it. Well, the next day there's like a squiggly line on the middle of my calf, maybe an inch up towards like my abdomen. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? So I go to medical, go to BAS. Uh, they don't know what the hell is going on. Next day, same thing. Well, it wound up being a hookworm. So, <laughs> long story short, I had a hookworm in my damn leg for like three or four days, and it had eaten all the way up to the base of my junk. <laughs> and my sergeants are like, "Hey, you turd! You know, you know, <laughs> giving me all this crap about trying to get out and, and whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll pull it out." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't got no shame. Whatever, there's a worm in my dick. <laughs> And, uh, so they wound up giving me this big old wafer is like a deworming tablet, but for a person yep. and it makes you sick as fuck. And so we're on the up guns range and it's hot. We had a range fire. The woods was all burned. It was black flag, but we had to get this training in. And I just, God, Lord, help me, please. <laughs> I let five people go down heat casualty that tell us, pack it up, go. Yep. So, <laughs> get that done and over with and then uh right before we left uh i told my mom that i wanted my name changed so i was born a cook but before i left the hospital my father got upset and my mom changed my name to hog well i didn't want to go into combat with with his name and my grandfather uh he had one son that had one daughter okay so that's the last of the bloodline i wanted to change my name and uh she went to court in wisconsin and got my name changed for me and that was kind of the opening of this is it like i got my shit together and i started getting everything together you know uh, once I got everyone stopped responding to Hogan and then, you know, they, they kind of, you know who I'm talking to? That's not my name, Sergeant. You know, <laughs> and then everything started coming together and, uh, it, the second we hit the ground, I felt like I was home. Like I was, I was second my boots went in the sand. I knew I was where I was always destined. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming from your bloodline and everything else, and, you know, I've said it before, I, I believe that, you know, nine out of 10 veterans knew they were going to be a veteran at a very young age, yeah. you know, and it, it sounds like that. It, that's what happened with you. Um, so now this is your first tour in Iraq, yeah. right? So this is probably around like 2004 time frame. Yeah, 2004, it was a 10-month deployment. came back in 05. Okay. So, <clears throat> now it's your first deployment. 
now you're definitely you're away from home. You know, you're you're out of the U.S. It sounds like this is the first time you were out of U.S. You know, talk to yeah. me about that. You know, that whole experience of just being out there with your with you know your, with your fellow Marines and everything else, and just uh, going out there. You know. So one of, the, one of the things that I definitely try to try to remember and hit home and, and whatever, because I mean, I've, I've seen and done some shit, you know, but the things that really stick with you, I think, is the camaraderie of things. Yeah. You know, we are the only when it comes to the 22, if anyone out there is listening, whatever it comes down to that, we are the only society, the only tribe that can reproduce without any offspring. You know, yeah. that, that, that way of carrying yourself, that teaching, yeah. whatever, it might not be yours. It might be, you know, whatever. And that, that changes people's lives. So the things that stick with me are a lot of the, a lot of the goofy things, a lot of the man kind of embracing the suck. So, uh, I get motion sick and we flew in on nights to Al Qaim on the Syrian border. And after I get done barfing, you know, they, they give us our vehicles and my vehicle's engine was in the back. It had no drive shaft. The <laughs> coolant tower was in the back and we kind of just put it around. We were supposed to be securing that airfield and then a little bit into it, um, it really ramped up and they made us get that vehicle moving. Well, uh, my gunny was a real, real hard man. Um, never really showed very much emotion, but he got us in formation and he had tears in his eyes. Wow. And we kind of, we kind of knew something was, something was wrong, you know? Well, half of first platoon and half of second platoon were supposed to be going to Fallujah and, uh, he wasn't going and he named off the list and he said that upwards of 18% of us were not coming back. Wow. So, uh, uh I was real excited that my name got called. Yeah. I mean, that's got a big, you know, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, we, we got to camp Fallujah and we did a bunch of workups and then they shut off the phones and they stopped taking mail. And something big is coming, right? You know? And uh, then they let us know that we were going to be uh, involved in Operation Phantom Fury, and my vehicle was the second vehicle into the city and the first Amtrak. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we're sitting on the final line of departure, and. You know, air and Artie are just lighting these fuckers up. And we're just out of range. And the whole field in front of us is blowing up. I'm 19 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there like, this is crazy. And then you hear, you hear music. <laughs> and then it, it, it starts coming down and our, our, go signal was supposed to be this line charge blow the minefield out of the way for us this humvee comes down the road big old speakers on it blaring hell's bells <laughs> everyone goes from being scared to just raging yeah fired up yeah. 
that line charge went off, boom, we rushed into the city, fire, bullets, flying. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, I really felt alive. I was definitely supposed to be there. I'm laughing hysterically. Yeah. Apparently, that's what I do when I'm <laughs> scared. My crew chief is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, but it, the most alive, the most sure of what I was doing that I, I've told my kids, I've told lots of people, that's the day I, I knew I was who I always thought I was. And, right. uh, yeah. Day, day of achievement, huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Like you're a man. Yeah. You're fucking, you're following your bloodline. You're out there and you're, you know, luckily you're one of the ones that came back and, uh, yep. you know, hopefully we didn't lose too many that night, but that's, uh, yeah, I didn't get to do anything cool like that when I was in, but, um, so the level of my camaraderie, what I would say is probably at like a tier four. And you're at a tier 10, just going through all of that. And it's funny that you're like, oh, I'm just going to laugh this whole time. I'm going to do the Joker thing and just going to laugh and blow everybody up. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, so now that was, so was that like at the, like right at the beginning of your deployment or is that like towards the end or is that? About two months into it. And okay. then, uh, so like, this is one of the stories that I, tell people that they're like what the fuck you know what's wrong with you well we're in this this firefight one day and and i had taken my cd player and hooked it up to our intercom system so i'm the driver our back hatches are open you know their their roads are only like 14 feet wide my head's right next to their damn second story window i'm fighting out of my hatch driving (laughs) And changing a damn CD. <laughs> so we're in the middle of this firefight, and I put this CD in and I hit play, and it's I believe in miracles. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're dancing, dancing in the middle of this firefight. To I believe in miracles and singing. I believe in miracles. Where are you from? Out fucking standing. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, besides that song, the only other one I could think of that would be really funny is like the Call On Me song there that everybody's been playing lately. <laughs> Call On Me. Yeah. But wow, so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, it's, I wish I was there for that one. That one would have been fun, you know? It was amazing. Yeah. It really was. There was some gruesome shit, and you know, there's yep. there's people who really do have some problems with it, and uh, I think the fact of our our upcoming is yep. a lot to do with that too. Uh, I wasn't ever brought up super religious. I was yep. taught of God, you know, and but this right. was what you do, and like that great generation that we were talking about that was their duty that is what yeah. you do there's nothing wrong with it yeah. you know and uh well, everybody deals yeah. With, yeah everybody deals with situations like that completely different and uh it sounds like that's the way you just dealt with everything like you said you, you know when you got nervous you laughed or whatever so it sounds like from that first uh, assault that you pulled on the music would was right up your alley you know it sounds yeah. like 
whatever song was playing or whatever. I mean, that one's just a hilarious, but um, whatever song is playing just kind of puts you in the mood, kind of slow time down for you, you know, for with being ADHD and all that other shit. So that's just, I'm glad that you were able to find that and, you know, make it home and everything. And so after those two things, like, was it at any point, was it just like, just bare boring being out there? Like, was there any like downtime when you're, I know I'm talking, you know, you're in Iraq, there's probably not a lot of downtime, but I'm just saying as far as like excitement. There, uh, there was, they, we would basically fight all day and then let them surround us. And then they didn't have night vision at the time. Uh, let them surround us at night. Wait. Uh, the longest I went without sleep was five days. Okay. Um, and then we would just wait till the sun came up and after prayer, they'd attack us and we'd kill our way out. Wow. Uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, it was really dying down and, uh, we're, we're going at it, you know, and then these two tanks come up and they're like, Hey, you gotta go to this AO. The fuck? Yeah. You know, just go to this AO. They bust out or they trucked out christmas dinner for us there so you got five minutes eat <laughs> and that, that's a grandpa story right there yeah you know, 2004 <laughs> christmas eve yeah you know i'm slaying the hodges and got crab <laughs> and i walk up hill both ways in snow <laughs> yeah Okay, so now your your first appointment sounds like it's uh, it kept you very busy, kept you motivated, kept you going, um, kept your yeah. your mind in the game. So that's good. I mean, a lot of people out there they will do a little bit like the first two months, and then like the rest of their year deployment is you know they do stuff, but nothing really. Um, yeah. To keep the motivation up. So now you're 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 home now from your first deployment. So you go back to Lejeune or whatnot. Did you have any time off to go see family, or was it right back out? They gave us basket leave, but before we even came back, I tried to cross deck and, uh, they told me no, Yeah. uh, just the fighting was too hard. They didn't want me to do it. So I volunteered to go with, uh, alpha company four months later. And, uh, I was sure I was, I was sure I was going to, I was going to die. You know? So I had like almost 20 grand in my bank account. And within three months, it was all gone. <laughs> and I I got a $8,000 Ford Escort, and then the rest was all on partying. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it'd be, I can imagine, you know, being hard, being out there for 10 months and all that excitement, and you just come home and you're like, well, North Carolina kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so how long... Um, so you're, you're, I know you did three tours, Iraq, one Afghan, one with the Mew. Was it, so you, you stay home for about four months and then you go back out to Iraq or is that when you hit the Afghan? Uh, so I went back after that four months, I went back to Iraq and I was relatively in the same area. Okay. Um, outside of Qatar and, or not Qatar, Karama okay. and Fallujah. And I was out near Camp Schmitty. Well, it was a it was a little tiny uh, operations base, you know. Okay. There would only be like one section at a time, and uh, we did weapons catch a sweeps okay. and route clearance, and that was when the IEDs were real, real heavy. Yeah, uh, 
And then, you know, we were finding tons and tons of weapons buried in their, their wells and whatnot. Well, that's, I mean, that's good that you're, you know, there's gotta be some sort of, uh, feeling fulfilled, like finding a, a bunker full of just a bunch of shit that was put there for someday to attack a bunch of your brothers and sisters. And then you guys find it and destroy it all. Or take, you know, I'm sure some guys took it home and stuff like that, but you know, that right there would just be like, that's another win in my book, you know, never mind, you know, storming their, their cities, but just stopping all that, the weapon catches and stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it was more, uh, so the first one obviously was like full on, this is war, this is combat. Yep. Uh, second time was more strategic as far as we have to secure this route or we're looking for the soldier who's been missing or weapons. Right. We're going to search this area, you know, those, those kinds of things, gaining Intel. Um, we, I was always kind of, kind of a goof. So, uh, during that one, one of the, the, I got, I got like two really good ones for that. Yeah. So I, we, I'd always take their livestock and eat it, cook it. And my mom said, <laughs> and her packages, it was like canned potatoes and, and stuff that I could cook with. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> one day I have, we got this guy, we had tea with him. Uh, he said, you know, when the army came through, my neighbor came over and he said he would kill me if I talked. I'm like, all right, let's go pay this guy a visit. So we go over there and he has a ton of shit, ton of shit, RPGs, mortars, RD rounds, rifles, you know, whatever. Wow. So we take all that and uh, we loaded it all up in his house yep. and disposed of it. <laughs> and uh, I, I picked up this little goat and I, or sheep and I put it up in my flak jacket <laughs> I'm walking back to my track and my, I was kind of known to get some information out of people. So we got this guy wrapped up, you know, we got the husband wrapped up and he's like, Hey, go, go over there. And he stops. He's like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear, ah! and I look down and there's these little legs kicking out of the bottom of my pike jacket. <laughs> I was like, it's a goat. <laughs> you can't have a pet. I was going to eat him. Put that down. <laughs> I put it down. It goes hopping away all happy. He's like, get in the fucking track, kid. So that, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we had a really big weapons cache suite. The mass sergeant came with us, and uh, he always had Otis Spunkmeyer muffins, the chocolate chocolate chip ones. Okay. <laughs> so we took over there and took a whole case of them. And he came over to the radio and was like, my muffins better be back under my rack. I'm going to fuck all of you up. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> we get him back under there. We're walking back across. My buddy picks up an RPG out of the cache pile that we haven't blown up yet. And he starts poking me in the chest with it. <laughs> I'm like, yo, grip. Yo, fuck off, man. And he's laughing hysterically. And he pokes me again. I'm like, God damn it. So I'm back paddling through the desert. He's laughing. And he's a cross-eyed bastard. Yeah. Laughing all cross-eyed. Oh, <laughs> you know. 
And I, I point my rifle at him. I'm like, dude, fuck off. And then I pointed down at his leg, and then he dropped it. Like, he knew I didn't want to shoot him in the he – did, <laughs> he knew I didn't want to kill him, but I might shoot him in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> that's but hilarious. That's another one of those things where a civilian be like, why is that funny? <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy's hitting you with an RBG. It could explode any time. That's the point. That's why he's right. doing it. <laughs> that's why it's funny. Yep. I remember this uh, – I remember MCT when you had to go through there, and you had that, like – it was like 24 hours of just stay awake. Everybody had their own little billet of what to do. You know, you had like land, land nav and all that other crap. Well, I was with uh, another Marine. He wasn't really all that smart. And uh, we, were, we were at the, pretending that we were in Iraq at the front gate or whatever. And there's a staff sergeant that walks up to him. And he's still a PFC at this point. And he's like, hey, you know, you know. I asked him, I was like, you know, what's the rules of engagement here and stuff like that? And he's like, uh, he's like, well, if a car comes up, you got to say stop. If he doesn't stop, then you shoot a warning around up in the air. And if he still doesn't stop, then start shooting the engine, this, that, and the other thing. So we all had blanks and stuff like that. Well, my counterpartner, he, this instruction was way over his head. He, he just couldn't understand it. And he kept saying like, well, what do I do this? Or like, I don't, can you repeat that? I don't know what that means. So the staff sergeant got fucking frustrated with him he goes all right marine he goes i'm a car and he's got his hands up like he's you know driving a steering wheel he's like i'm a car and he's walking to him he's like broom 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 and i'm like well i'm just gonna role play too so i'm like stop stop and uh he's just going and the next thing you know my counterpartner picks up his m16 with the red thing on the there for his uh for his blanks or whatever points it straight at the staff sergeant and starts tapping off rounds the staff sergeant grabs him, throws him to the fucking ground, elbows him in the face, and just starts laying right into him. He's like, why would you ever shoot at me? And he goes, you're not. A, he's like, you're a car. You're not stopping. <laughs> he's like, I'm not a car. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just sitting the whole time. I'm like, I'm not jumping in on this pile because that's a staff sergeant. And I'm just going to let him do what he needs to do with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But, yeah, right. that's. Yeah, people don't, you know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's hilarious. So that's <laughs> so now you're done with this tour. This tour sounds more of a, like you said, more strategic, and uh, we're not just going to blow up their town. Now we're going to take what they've been fighting to keep. So now you get to go home. After, now, how long was that deployment for? Uh, that was that was the standard six months. Okay, so now you're home. So now you got 16 months in your belt. On, you know, for being in uh, in Iraq and whatnot. How long were you home for? Uh, five-ish. Five-ish months. Five-ish months, yeah. I, same, thing, same thing. As soon as I got home, I want to I wanna do the meal. Right. You know, I want to go again. Nice. So, so then I went back to Charlie Company. Okay. So now, how was the meal? How did you like doing, being on the meal after your 16 months? Because at that point, I had multiple friends that I knew were in the fight, and the Mew, for the most part, it's it's a vacation. You yeah. know, you're going to Spain, you're going to Italy, you're going all over the world, and you're just partying for the most part. So yeah. I had a little bit of guilt on that, and then um, I get I get 
motion sick. So for the first <laughs> two months, I was just hating my life. Yeah. And then when you get used to it, you get motion sick on the land. So that, <laughs> that sucked ass. Yeah. And then, uh, um, my grandmother passed away. Well, oh, man. And I wanted to go home. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, I had a little bit of a reputation. I had one of the, my gunnies was, well, my gunny was one of my staff sergeants in Fallujah. Um, the captain of the ship basically told my lieutenant next time read the order and told him to go away. So it was not in my records that my grandparents raised me. So okay. they didn't, they didn't let me go home. Wow. Uh, and then when we were in Italy, um, my corpsman, uh, so I, I'm that guy that if I had my rank on the back of my truck, it would be like PUC Lance Corporal Corporal Lance Sergeant <laughs> Lance Corporal. You know, I'm that guy. Yep. Um, you know, the one Jesse Puller said, take me to the brig. I want to see the real Marines. That's, that's <laughs> I never a garrison Marine. I was definitely a field Marine. Yep. Um, so we're in Italy and my corpsman has had nine kidney stones that he passed. We just wanted to go to a club. We're like, girls, disco, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, we wind up at this like titty bar type thing and he gets like this bottle of champagne. It was like 200 euros. And at the time it was $1.75 a euro. Yeah. Well, he gets like one drink out of it and then they kick him out the back and all of a sudden no one speaks to <laughs> We're getting a little shitty, you know, and I was like, you know what? We're going to wind up fucking stabbed. We got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, so I start to leave and these guys come down and they're in civvies and one of them is a staff sergeant infantryman that we were with and uh, my whole second deployment we were our own infantry and the first time too we traded out with them you know so it really they started laying into us and uh, that staff sergeant was also and uh, I'm like you know we probably don't even have to listen to you you've been fucking drinking <laughs> you know you know whatever yeah yep. well they busted out the tour patrol badges I'm like alright I guess we're going back to the fucking ship you know yep so we start walking back, and he says something about fucking Pogue. And I turn around, and I'm like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah. And I start going after him. Well, my corpsman jumped in between the two of us, and they instantly took him to the ground, started beating on him. So I, you know, defended my corpsman. Oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, let's go back to the ship. No more fucking problems. So we get back to the ship. He wants to change the whole, whole fucking story about what happened, what didn't happen, you know, whatever. I'm yeah. not shutting the hell up. And everyone's telling me to shut up. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Now I wind up telling the captain of the ship, go fuck himself. And yeah, it was bad. So <laughs> uh, it took him two months to NJP me. And you can't deny NJP on ship. Cause there's no JAG officers. 
Well, a month after the incident, that Stats aren't was found with like coke in his bags, and there was alleged like rape. And what I don't even know what happened with that. Yeah. But it was too late. What I did was what I did. Yeah. Well, so they're sitting there and they're like, "Give me your shirt." And I was supposed to get sergeant. This I'm only three years in. Yeah. They had my papers and everything. I was supposed to pick up sergeant like in the next day or two. Well, so that gets ripped up. Like, give me your chevrons. And I was like, you can have them. I ain't going to give them to you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this one more time. Give me your chevrons. And I said, you can have them. I'm not going to give them to you. I got roughed up a little bit. I took my (laughs) chevrons. I go back down in the birthing area. I'm like, someone going to give me some fucking chevrons? They're all just looking at me. Like, give me some fucking chevrons. And all my troops just scattered. And here you go. You know, I didn't lose the way I carried myself and the way I treated my troops, I was definitely one of the people who will haze you for a good reason. Yeah. And, and not just be a dickhead. I'd, I'd take them out, have the whole camaraderie saying, oh, you yeah. know, I'd talk to their parents, you know, like everything. They were my yeah. boys. Yeah. And uh, I never, I, I maintained my vehicle. I maintained my fire team. I didn't lose any responsibilities over being busted down. Right. That didn't slip down a bit. So. Well, good for you. I mean, I guess good for you. I mean, you didn't lose, you know, you didn't get butt hurt over it and destroy you for who you are. Um, But yeah. Okay. So you don't like the Mew that much. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Um, So now, now you get done with the Mew. Now you're going back home. You know, well, yeah. back to the states at least. So now, now you're back in the states. When do you go on your third tour and your tour to Afghan? Uh, so I went in. So my my fourth tour, I was with Bravo Company, and the day that we came back from the Mew and we were turning in our rifles, um, Master Guns was my master sergeant during my first years. Yep. And uh, he called me out of formation. And he said, come here. Because I already said that I wanted to go with Bravo before we were even home, just like all the others. Yep. Well, he had the whole concept of, I'm only going to make you go twice. And after that, you don't have to anymore. But I had already volunteered. So he calls me up in front of everyone. And he says, you want to go to Bravo Company? I said, yes, Master Guns. And he says, look me in the face and tell me you're going to punch me in the fucking face if I don't send you to Bravo Company. I was like, I want to go to Bravo Company. And he said, tell me you're going to punch me in the fucking face. I will like, punch you in the face. And he's like, good, just so I can tell your mom to get back in formation. <laughs> there you go. Nice. So uh, I went back to Iraq with them. So fourth deployment, third time in Iraq. And uh, we did ECPs okay. for Ramadi. Okay. So now doing your ECPs, you know, what, what was your mindset there at that point? Like you just got busted down because you went on a mule and now you're back, you know, now you're finally with Bravo company and now you're out there doing ECPs and like, what's your mindset at this point? Is it just still like, you know, I got a job to do. I signed up for this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to help out my boys kind of yeah. thing. 
And at that point with me jumping around, I had a pretty significant, uh, 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 way about me. People knew who I was. Right. And, uh, I have friends in all over the battalion. I had good reputation, you know, uh, they knew that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. At that point, I had quite a bit of combat experience, infantry experience. Yeah. You know, you name it, I did it. Um. So we were training Iraqi police officers, and uh, and and because I got busted down and I had re-enlisted, um, you know, I, I was at Lance Corporal with a big old stack and a hash mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I did pick my rank back up with Bravo and then we were training Iraqi police officers on the coming and goings of Ramadi. And, uh, that kind of messed with me a little bit, you know, it's, it's around 2008, I was there for the pig ceremony. So we're supposed to be training these people and being nice. And that was a little bit of a mind, mind fuck. You know, right. that's, that's the enemy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and so we kind of lived with some of them, you know, and, uh, I did some of the backscatter, the bio-automatic tracking, uh, take pictures of the retinas, fingerprints, that kind of thing, uh, yeah. for entry. They get like a badge, you know? Yep. And, uh, so I'm trying to scan this dude. And he finally pops up and it says, uh, Abu Ghraib for attacks on coalition forces in, in uh, Fallujah. Uh, you know, I'm like, into Fallujah? It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, Ani Fallujah. Yeah. Ani Infidel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I speak English. I'm like, all right, all right. You know, you still getting it or what? And it was weird. It was like, you know, when you're a kid and they tell you about the Civil War, how cousins would be on opposite sides and they'd have tea or whatever and go back and start yeah. killing each other. We had a weird camaraderie thing like that. Uh, he basically said he was out of the game because everyone wanted to play IEDs instead of fight. And I, that's something to be respected. You know, we dropped pamphlets on these people saying they had 72 hours to get out of their city or they would be considered hostile. And he yeah. stayed and he fought. I respected that. And we sat there and shot the shit for a while. <laughs> wow. All right. So now, so now you're done with the tour. Now you're finally going back. You're going back to the States again. Yeah. Uh, so now at this point, you know, are you volunteering again or are you just kind of like, all right, now I'm just going to fucking relax a little bit here. Well, uh, we were just slowing down in the battalion at that point, And it was kind of trying to figure out where I was going to go. Yeah. And, uh, I, I knew I wanted to go again. Love it. Love training people. Love being with my boys, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was with Bravo for a while. They, uh, they, like I said, they slowed down quite a bit in the battalion. And, uh, and then I met a local girl. And, <laughs> uh, 
that's now my wife. We've been married 10 years, had three kids. Well, congratulations. And, uh, thank you. And then uh, I was part of Obama's 10,000 before Christmas. So I'm sitting there watching the news around Thanksgiving to see if I was going to deploy or not. And we did and went to Afghanistan. And then I did an LPOP. Okay. So now, so now you find, so are you married now when you finally go to Afghan? No, not yet. We, we only, <laughs> so we only knew each other for like a month. That's good enough. So then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the bus, she came to see me on the bus and I knew she was, she's like barely 18. Yeah. I'm 24. And, uh, I'm like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and then I got on the bus. It was gone for four months. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So she waited for you. I take it, obviously, because you guys are married now and everything. So you get back, get back to the States. And now you're finally now it's what? 2000. You said was it now? It's about 2009 at this point. Give or take. Uh, just barely into 10. Yep. Just barely into 10. Yeah. So. So now you're home. You're starting to live life with her. And is that the reason why you kind of just didn't go on any more deployments and didn't reenlist and stuff like that? No, actually, I, I, I kind of got fucked. So, my last year, Master Guns, Master Guns, <laughs> and uh, he said you're taking a break. He lost his son-in-law. Oh, wow. In, in combat. And uh, he was like, you're taking a break. So I was banished, ironically, to Hazmat for my battalion. <laughs> it's like a full and, circle uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and my first, my first ship off date was September 11th. Wow. Um, that'll tie back in again. So <laughs> um, I always thought that was cool. You know, my first anniversary of my first deployment was... 9-11 that's pretty sweet yeah um so we wind up getting married kind of doing that thing and i'm doing hazmat i hate it i'm just you know because you got boots that are coming in and they don't realize that that's a billet that's not a job yeah so they're like treating me like shit like yeah. just give me my oil and i'm like kid i'll fucking kill you yeah you know, and uh, I hated it. I, I hated it. They, you know, I, I had nothing to do. I was, I was fucked. Yeah. Well, I got hit on recruiting duty. And I was thinking about, uh, right when I got back, I was thinking about just letting it go and going to like Blackwater. You know, I yeah. actually got a job offer from Triple Canopy, and I'm like, man, high speed, low drag, I get my own equipment, fucking hell yeah. Yeah, less rules too. Well, yeah, and, and then, <laughs> you know, my wife already, our, our, I adopted my daughter. Oh, okay. She was like two months when I come around, so I went like full into daddy, like right off the bat. Yeah. And like... That kind of slowed that down a little bit. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'll just re-enlist. At least then I have insurance. Yeah. You know, it's more than just one year at a time. 
So I put it in for a reenlistment package and, uh, 15 days to my EAS, I still haven't heard nothing. So I go in and I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. They're like, yeah, you got denied. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, Obama signed the troop surge, you know, like, like Bush told him not to look, my dad did it. It didn't turn out well. Yeah. That's what, you know, and that's what happened was, you know, they were cutting back how many Marines there were because everyone was getting a sergeant and then yeah. there's a congressional limit to that. Um, so instead of 12 years to get E6, you had 10. Well, uh, I got hit on recruiting duty. So if you don't do it, you do it, they volunteer you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so I got hit on recruiting duty and the schoolhouse for that is like two months and you have to have uh, 24 months or 28 months of no 24 24 months of active service after the schoolhouse well I, I wouldn't have had that so right. that's why my four year got got niched as it would put me over that 10 year cap so they, they said I'll give you two but then I wouldn't have had the 24 months of active service after the schoolhouse so it changed my RE code to an 03 Oscar, and that's basically you denied orders. And I said, no, I'll take my honorable and and get out. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And uh, so I tried, and I went back and I told my gunny, I was like, look, you know, I'll come in, let you know I'm here, but then I'm going to be at the gym because this is what I'm doing. I'm going to combat control for the Air Force. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And I just beast moded it in the gym. I went from 185 to 205 pounds in about a month. Wow. I just kept <laughs> on base and going to the gym. Playing and, some music. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you got to swim like 23 or 24 hundred meters in under 23 minutes and this run and, and, and all that. Well, there's only like 308 of those guys and there's like a two year wait period. And we wound up on, by this time we have our second son or our first son and yeah. uh second kid, first son. And uh, we're on food stamps. You know, I'm, I'm working this bullshit construction job for $12 an hour. Yeah. North Carolina, you know, during yeah. the winter it rains. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not laying pipe in the rain, unless it's a different kind of pipe. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not making very much. You know, our single wide trailer was six seventy five a month. I yeah. I was making maybe two hundred dollars a week, yeah. and so I gave it up, trying to wait for the Air Force, and uh, got online. My grandpa was starting to get pretty old, and uh, this area in Iowa was like the second best for employment at the time. I called the VA, and they said with my work history, I'd, I'd never lap in work history since I was 12. So uh, um, they said they give me like 100 grand without a job for a house. So that was a little shitty. I went without my family for two months. 
I stay with my grandpa when I we sold everything. I came up here. She stayed with my in-laws. And then once we got in the house, her and the kids came up. Wow. So I kind of went through almost the same thing, but different. Um, I got out in 09 and I stayed at North Carolina because I ended my time in uh, service with uh, Second Mardiv. And same thing, you know, I understand what you're saying. Like my, I had a double wide. My buddy stayed in the core. I got out, but ours was only like 460 a month. And uh, yeah, same thing, dude. You, there's no work down there because, you know, you got 88,000 fucking Marines at this base. So, you know, you get out, most of them stay there and everybody's a fucking Marine. So now you're competing with everybody. And, you know, I definitely didn't have the service record as you did. Um, but no, that and I ultimately went back into drugs and everything else. So I ended up coming back up to mass. So it's kind of the same thing like you. And it's, you know, I blame it on SEPs. SEPs was shit. I mean, I know yeah. you you found out 15 days before you're getting out that you're not re-enlisting, so I'm sure that was a hurry up and fucking get all your shit together. But so now you're now you're home, and now you get another job, and then you haven't. That's when you have your third kid, or uh, well, so kind of kind of going back with yep. like the 22 subject there too. Like yep. that was the biggest blow to me. Um, I didn't talk to my wife for like six months. Like I straight up didn't talk to her. Like it was just the biggest, no one was to blame. Right. You know, and, 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 but you started thinking like, man, if, if I hadn't gotten in trouble or what could I have done? You know, whatever. Um, but at no time did I ever think that I would hurt myself. Ultimately, you know, one of the things my grandma said before I went on my first deployment was your life is not your home. Yeah. And we're a special tribe. We really yeah. are a different breed of person. We multiply with, you know, between my first, when I got home from my first deployment, there was a kid that would send a kid packages with his allowance money. And I went to his school in my chucks and uh, spent the day with him. Wow. He took me around, showed me off to classrooms, whatever. And uh, he wound up doing four years in the infantry in Vietnam. Wow. So, you know, we, we owe it. You, your vows aren't done. Yeah. You have a responsibility to push forward. It's just you're... you're you might be alone. I'm, I am separated from a lot of my brothers. They're all over the country, but nowhere close to me. And, uh, but you, you still, that, that fighting spirit, those morals, that's, that's your calling now, you know? Yeah. Once Marine, always Marine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad that you're bringing all that up because I, you know, I've said in other episodes and everything else too, you know, Mission 22 is just, you know, it's an organization I believe in. And, you know, they've said it too. You know, it's not just, you know, the suicide and everything else. And, you know, it's not just on the service member too. You know, the biggest time, a lot of the big time is when you get out. Because now, you know, look at your wife. You know, she met you. You're like, hey, I'll be right back. And you go on an employment for four months. You know what I mean? So your first few years of together, she saw you as a Marine. And... That was your highlight of your life. You were doing something. You had a purpose. You were 
fulfilling your bloodline, so to speak. And then you get out and then you're working construction. You know, you guys are all on food stamps and you're like, you know, that mindset in your head is just like, do you not understand what I just did for the past fucking what's eight years for the past eight years? I was out there, you know, I did all this and now I'm on fucking food stamps and you know, um, that's tough on her too, especially like you, like it sounded like you just shut her out not, not nothing to do with her. It's just like you had to find yourself again and you're by yourself. And that's what another reason why I said, you know, Seb's program, it needs to be better. You know, it's, so you go to boot camp, so you go down there, Paris Island, or you go to San Diego or whatever. So you're there for three months and then you go to MCT, you're, you know, then you're MOS school. But when you get now, they don't teach you how to get out. Like, Hey, this is probably what's going to happen. You know, they don't talk to your wife or whatever and be like, Hey, listen, he's going to change again. You know, it's, you know, you got to bear with him and stuff like that. So I'm glad that you were able to pull through it and you didn't harm yourself in any way. And, and you get to sit here and talk to me now. And it sounds like you're doing pretty, pretty okay for yourself now. Yeah. I, uh, so I, when I decided to come up here, technically I was on like a two week vacation from that construction job. Okay. And I was like, look, man, if I get this job up there, I'm going to come back. And I called this glass company and was like, you know, basically the same thing. I'm on a two week vacation. I need a job. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, all right, well then we can set up the second interview some other time. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I don't plan on coming back to North Carolina. Yeah. They're like, so we're hiring you. And I was like, yeah. They're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So I worked this like crap job for like almost a year, but it's paying the bills. I'm working yeah. like 85 hours a week. Um, we, we did have a hard time cause you know, she, she was young. I was, I didn't know any other life. Yeah. Uh, got two kids. I moved her halfway across the country. Um, we're still, I'm gone all the time because I'm at work. Yeah. And uh, I finally get into this lime plant that's a mile down the road. I've seriously ran to work before. Like, yeah. got a flat tire. It's winter and my car don't start. I can run to work and be fine. Perfect. Uh, it's starting to come together, you know. Um, I've been there like eight years now. This is my eighth year or will be my eighth year. And, uh, I'm able to significant this year. I can actually have a weekend and we've, we've come up quite a, quite a bit. One of the hardest things to, that helped me a lot was to realize, and sometimes I still struggle with it is civilians, especially like, this is just maybe my point of view being like combat veteran, especially is, I mean, the camaraderie, and we all share that. We yep. all share that. Yeah. The combat aspect of it for me is that's the real world. That is how human beings would act if there was no law, if yeah. they just did what they needed to to survive. And people tell you you don't know what the real world is in the civilian world to me is not real. And that was a really hard thing for me to grasp. grasp I know, I know the truth that our society is not real life. That is the freedom 
that we all fight for is yeah. so that the rest of America does not need to know what the real world is. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that too. You know, and I talk to my wife all the time and stuff like that, you know, with everything that's going on right now in our country and uh, whatnot, my wife's like, Oh, let's go to Canada. It's going to be so much better. This, I was like, listen, Canada has their own set of rules too. They don't have, they don't have freedom of speech up there. You know what I mean? You, right. can, get, you can get in trouble for putting a bumper sticker on your car. You know what I mean? I was like, we're not leaving America. We're going through hard times right now, but we'll pull through. We always do, you know, and it's this, and I'm glad that you, like I said, you know, I don't want to make this a political thing, but I'm glad that you and your wife are doing better now. You guys stuck with each other and, and you know, your, your kids are growing up <laughs> and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So now we got a five, nine and 12. Oh boy. I got a five. Yeah. And- she gets me. I, I can't do. Th- I wouldn't be able to do three. Um, <laughs> so more more respect going back out to you again on that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do three kids. Um, but yeah, going back to the the mission twenty two. It's you know what helps you like if you had if if this show gets reaches somebody that's probably could be going through the same thing you you're going through. You know you've done you know, five tours, you know, you know, and now you're getting out and your minimum wage job. I mean, do you have any piece of advice that you can give to a fellow brother and sister or something like that, that might be going through what you're doing or just their loved ones? So, uh, and just that, like, you, you can't take it out on anyone and you can't be too hard on yourself either. Like I, I was very depressed. I didn't want to take it out on anyone. That's why I just locked the fuck up. Yeah. But that was not fair for my wife. And eventually she was like, look, you need to, I need you. Yeah. You know? And then I, I it was a lot of reflecting during that time. And it was just that these people might not know what the real world is, but I have, a responsibility to make sure that those morals live on and that like i've said earlier that might not be your kid that might not be anyone you know this these stories these podcasts that you're doing could create five marines two sailors an airman and a fucking soldier you don't know exactly you know and and that's that's what it's really about that and idle time i i do very little idle anything um when i'm going to work you know i i tell people with the whole adhd thing it's almost like a superpower so you know i can pay attention to five things at the same time and know what the fuck's going on and i can think about five different things and stuff that i want to do i do (laughs) my wife says i'm the oldest young guy 35 <laughs> okay. she says i'm the oldest young guy that she knows because i like i like to garden yep. uh i whittle yeah like i carve little christmas like cute little christmas figures and i sell them for <laughs> for christmas and uh right. do you sell those online or uh i tried last year and it didn't yeah. work very well because like people like to touch stuff like that you know it gets that yeah. whole humbled feel okay and 
it's something and that came out of being broke too you know you grow from hardship whether it's civilian child adult old your whole life you're gonna have hardship the the only thing you are supposed to do the only thing you need to do is try to take something positive out of it yeah it wasn't for all those hard knock life lessons you wouldn't be who you are and you wouldn't ever achieve nothing if it was easy Anybody you can didn't do it. achieve shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's that's a good piece of uh yeah. I mean I'm I'm kinda lost for words because that was you know, that's that was perfect. Um even if you're at your very low, just just know that like something good out of this is gonna happen. You don't you know, push through it. Just keep pushing through it and you you'll be surprised on what's on the other end. Like I said, you know, like me, like I went through hard times down in North Carolina, you know, um, and I got out of it. I kept pushing through and now I'm I'm more successful than I ever saw myself being, you know, and it sounds like you're on the same track of doing that. And it's just your story is amazing because the hazmat thing, that's that's fucking hilarious. The hard, you know the RPG thing to your chest. That's fucking fucking hilarious, you know. But um, I want to just thank you for coming out on the show for me. You know, getting some more. Yeah, getting getting your story out there, and then uh, you know, just keep pushing on, people out there, and um, you'd be surprised at what you can do. Thank you again, Jamie, and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in for the episode, and stay tuned for the outro. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. 